One night, my cousin's friend, uh, he said, hey, you want to just try this on its own? Crack cocaine by itself, and I did. I smoked it on a, like a can pipe, and uh, that was it. It was, it was something that I never wanted anything else again, but that's the only thing I wanted. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. My name is Isaac, your host. We have an awesome podcast for you today. I had the privilege actually with chatting uh, with a guy by the name of Cal Sidhu. Uh, Cal shared with me his testimony, uh, the story of God in his life. Uh, we also chatted about what it looks like to kind of share our stories in this world as well. Um, you might be asking, you know, what's this about? Well, we're in a new series right now called Walking the Line. Uh, this series will go on for about three weeks and, and look into a few incredible stories of God's working in and through uh, ordinary people. When it comes down to it, we all know we have a testimony, right? And it's ever-changing, you know, as we continually go along in this life. The thing, though, is like, how do Christians, without being weird, share their testimony? How does that really work out in everyday life? There's actually a story in the Gospels of this uh, demon-oppressed man who has met with Jesus across the Sea of Galilee. It's actually more like the Lake of Galilee. Anyways, there's this guy who is just being tormented by these demons. And Jesus is like, well, what's your name? And the demons, through the man, say, Legion for there were lots of demons inside this guy. So these demons know who they're talking with and beg Jesus to send them into pigs. So he allows that, you know, the pigs become demon pigs and run off the cliff and drown, leaving this man completely set free. Jesus cast away the demons in this guy's life, really holding him back from truly living, yet now he is set free. The point I want to bring out, though, is what happens at the end of this story. It says this in Luke 8:38, The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he would be with him, Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So, if you're listening and you're a Christian, you can look at this story and see your life like this guy's life, right? You once were in the dark. Now, you probably didn't have multiple demons in you, but you were definitely inhibited by sin to truly live out that abundant life that Christ calls you to. But in an incredible way, Jesus finds you and you come to the light. You're born again. You get sealed with the Holy Spirit. You, you're saved. And what exactly does Jesus say to this man after he heals him? Firstly, go home. I believe God directs us that we're in his path. That means that wherever we may call home, you know, our city, culture, work, family, etc., that's where we're to be. Until God calls us, you know, otherwise, of course. But home is where we're called at the moment. Now, what does Jesus tell this man to do? Declare how much God has done for you. That's your testimony. You're declaring the work and power of God in your life, in your home, in your work, wherever you are. The emphasis is on the fact that God has called us to different places at different times, and we are to declare our testimony of his work right there with everyone we know. Now, Cal Sidhu can be compared with this man from the story. Although he wasn't oppressed by a legion of demons, he was very much addicted to drugs, though, and that held him tightly in bondage for years. But God found and healed him, restoring him to a place of freedom in Christ. Like I said at the beginning, I had an awesome chat with him, listening to the story of God's power in his life. I'm excited for you to hear.
Hey, I'm in the studio with Cal Sadu today. Uh, we've just started a series called Walking the Line where we're actually having people share with us their testimonies of God's work in their lives, uh, hearing about the lines that they've walked on, sometimes dangerously close to destruction. So Cal, I met him a couple weeks ago now. We had breakfast yeah. at White Spot. It's really yeah. fun. And uh, he shared with me a bit about his testimony, and we're going to actually hear about his testimony today as well on the, uh, on the podcast. Uh, but first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so I, uh, I live here in Abbotsford and uh, lived here since about 85. Um, and uh, fast forward to now, I'm, uh, I'm married to uh, my wife, Misty, of uh, almost seven years. We have uh, three children and one on the way, so we have four yes. children. My boy is four. His name's Asher. Samara's three. Uh, Naraya's one and a half. And then we have uh, one on the way coming in July. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Thank awesome. You. Yeah. <laughs> prayers, please. Yeah. Prayers, please. This is crazy. And they're all under the age of? They're going to, I'm going to have four kids under the age of five. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So for work, uh, professionally, I work for a company called First Page Marketing and uh, we do web development and internet marketing. So cool. I've been with them for a couple of years, but I've been in marketing in traditional sense, uh, newspaper and radio for the last 15 years or so. Okay. And do you enjoy that kind of work? As I well? love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love uh, I love meeting with new businesses, business owners, and just really helping uh, them get the right traction they need from online. Cool. So, Cal, why don't you just share with us your your testimony? So you can start where you feel is the right, and just kind of go on and kind of share with where you were and how God changed you. Um, so I'm the middle child of five boys. My birth mom passed away at when I was around six years old. So she passed away and she left four boys behind and a husband. So obviously my dad had to get married pretty quickly again to help take care of the kids. Uh, we had help from uh, from uh, from family, but um, my dad did get remarried and my youngest brother is from that marriage. And, uh, you know, I'd, I call my brother, I don't call my stepbrother. And my mom, I don't call her my stepmom, I uh, call her my second mom. Um, I think it's more appropriate. She's done just an amazing job with us. Yeah, so we grew up in Blairmore and Cranbrook and then arrived in Abbotsford in 85. Had a pretty regular childhood. Um, elementary school, did sports, and yeah, just the regular stuff. I remember having kind of my first drink when I was in grade 7 at a at a friend's family party. And um, I didn't really ever uh, like alcohol, but that kind of started the beginning of uh, a lot of other things. Mm. Um, in grade 8 to 12, I played uh, a lot of sports, basketball, football, rugby. Pretty popular. You know, I was on the student council, and, and did okay at school. Not yeah. not great, but okay. All through the years, just experimenting further with uh, with marijuana and uh, and drinking a bit here and there, but uh, never really dealing with um, that one life issue of my mom passing away. And you know, in my family, it was never really talked about. There's no like nowadays. You'd probably get counseling. You'd get all these things, but uh, back then, nobody did that. And especially in my family. Uh, you know, my dad didn't even talk about it. So I was going to say, like, did you ever feel comfortable to talk to your dad about that? or Even to this day, no. I brought it up before, and uh, it kind of just upsets him and gets him in a deep, dark place, which I think uh, I think it's better not to take him there if, uh, if, if it's not going to do any good. Then around, um, you know, after high school graduation, we, we experimented with acid and mushrooms and um, these hallucinogenic types of drugs. That every time I do them, that life issue would show up and... Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, the coming down was not good. 
So very early, I got used to staying high. And that was the way to deal with things. And uh, in the age of 22, uh, before going to a Depeche Mode concert, uh, one of my friends pulled out cocaine. And of course, I dove right in and, and decided to do it. And I did like it. And that began a cycle of, uh, you know, using cocaine on special occasions, uh, which increased to weekends, and which increased to, you know, eventually every day uh, before work, after work, and then eventually uh, kind of just um, kind of losing my way and life's issues building up, not dealing with any of them other than doing more cocaine. And uh, eventually I took off to Toronto and uh, kind of ran away from my life here. Uh, the problem was my, was was me, and I went to Toronto with myself. I mean, I couldn't leave myself behind. So I got another job and did, did well for a while, but just hanging out with some people that actually take crack cocaine and crush it up and put it in, uh, like, marijuana joints. So I'd smoked it like that. And uh, one night, my cousin's friend, uh, he said, hey, you want to just try this on its own, uh, crack cocaine by itself? And I did. I smoked it on a like a can pipe, and uh, that was it. Uh, it was it was something that I never wanted anything else again. But that's the only thing I wanted, and uh, I began to go pretty deep into that. And uh, yeah, lost my job, lost my apartment, and uh, I was actually engaged out there as well. Lost that. For those who don't know really about these harder drugs, like obviously it affected your job and your your engagement so much to lose them. But what? How does it change who you are and your mind and your thinking? Yeah, well, you, you just actually lose that. You just actually lo- you lose more of who you are um, as you use more. And uh, you just be- really become dependent on that feeling. It was like a as like synthetic piece, right? Like nothing could touch you when you, were, when you were high. So you'd constantly chase that. And the problem with crack cocaine is it, it only lasts a little while. So you're constantly chasing it. Yeah, and, and uh, so eventually I, I did phone my dad. He sent me a plane ticket. I got back here to Abbotsford, but I, I actually went deeper and began to use crack cocaine more, you know, uh, using it all the time and uh, not really holding a job much at all. My brothers told my dad that, you know, hey, you got you to gotta let him go. You got to, you know, shut the kind of door on him. Because this whole time I was, I was stealing from my parents, stealing things stealing cash, whatever, whatever I could, but they kept on being there for me. Uh, we did have an intervention type thing as well. And, um, uh, I, I just explained to them, like, listen, I know I got a problem, but I don't know what to do about it. Either did they. So eventually my dad did shut the door. I was homeless in Abbotsford for, for a while and, you know, just sleeping on couches, uh, you know, in and out of crack shacks, even, uh, the Fraser Valley and hotel, these types of areas and really going in deep. And I, you know, I robbed a few places. I robbed a pizza place, a, a gas station, and uh, did some did some pretty bad things. I wa- was stealing quite a bit. And um, the police locally, would they would always kind of say, hey, uh, Cal, you don't belong here. Uh, what's going on? And one night, eventually, I was really desperate. I didn't want to use any more. I didn't want to be on the streets. I didn't want to, you know, go through that again. So I, I admitted to what I did. They arrested me. That's when I went to uh, North Fraser Pretrial Center, met the prison chaplain, Dan Boo there. He didn't really push anything down my throat. He just said, hey, do you want you want some stuff to read? And he gave me uh, scriptures, Sikh scriptures in English, uh, Quran, and, uh, and a Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- when I was in jail, uh, I was in there for about, about 90 days, not a long time at all, but 
about halfway through my kind of pre-trial sentence, what had happened was uh, we were playing cards, which you do often in there, and uh, we were winning the card rounds, and the other group didn't like it very much. They sent somebody into my cell to take care of me, and uh, that night I just saw true evil, and after I got transferred from that cell unit to another one, that night I uh, decided, hey, I'm going to crack open one of these books. I uh, decided to open the Bible, opened it to the book of Matthew, and began to read the lineage of Christ. And I had perfect understanding of who he was and what this meant. It came to a point while I was reading that uh, the Word was actually dictating itself to me, uh, reading itself to me, yeah. and testifying of, of who Jesus was. And uh, and I just, um, yeah, I leaned back and I, I was weeping and I just knew he was real and I told him that. Then the next day I got to actually say the prayer with Dan and, and my brother Bindu. And uh, that's kind of how Jesus came into my life. The testimony does continue. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it does continue. I, I'd like to say I had a miracle, you know, God came in and that's it. I didn't uh, use drugs at all anymore, but I only had the revelation. I didn't have the foundation. So. Sure. Um, so after leaving jail, uh, well, I should explain that I went to court and I didn't want to lie. And, uh, before I went up to the judge to kind of just say, Hey, this is what I did and confess, uh, the crown counsel came down and said, Hey, all we need is you to plead guilty for a breach of bail. One day sentence, you're done. Cause I'd already been there 90 days. So I was free. Uh, the first thing I did when I was free was actually go use drugs again, crack cocaine. Yeah, that was a real, real kind of low spot because I had another drug-induced seizure. So this whole time over the years, um, I've had over seven drug-induced seizures, and God kind of, uh, I, I believe he's healed all that. Um, I shouldn't be talking right now. Definitely shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't be able to comprehend what I'm saying, <laughs> but uh, but God, God has changed that. And um, so uh, Dan, uh, the prison chaplain, actually said, hey, why don't you come live with me? Um, at that point, I got a good job with a local newspaper and began to kind of get my life together. I've discovered my biggest problem is rejection. So I'd met a girl and she didn't quite like me the same way I liked her. But for some reason, she wanted to hang out with me still. And uh, I still don't understand that. She was a Christian girl. But uh, yeah, it ended up that I, I, I used for three weekends in a row. And uh, I told Dan and my brother and uh, we, we sought out uh, Wagner Hills. So I went there and stayed for 13 months. Uh, it's, a, it's a recovery to discipleship program. So it's not just the 12 steps. It's about taking those 12 steps and changing your life. So I, so I, I did the program and um, left there. 2008, I think that was, I got another job at the local paper. September, September of that year, I met my wife. So, sorry, uh, October of that year, I met my wife. And uh, then again, life changed again. We uh, very quickly found love, very quickly got engaged that, that December. We got engaged. And then the following June, we got married. So, yeah, just right, right off into it real fast. And, um, yeah, you know, we, we had a rocky first year of marriage, but it's, it's come together really good now. The following year, we actually, she was pregnant, and we had a, we had a miscarriage. And that was in 2010. And uh, that's the time, last time I've used any drugs and uh, any crack cocaine because I didn't use anything else. So since 2010, July, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been good. I haven't, haven't, uh, haven't touched anything. So, <laughs> yeah. 
I think, you know, that's such a, it's amazing testimony and, and just to see where God obviously has brought you. But a couple of things stuck out to me. I loved what you said about, uh, back in the, in the jail cell, you, you said, uh, that's where you had the revelation, but not the foundation yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for people to know in regards to testimonies that really our testimony is not done until the day we die. Yeah. You know, God's continually working in and through us. So I thought that that's a really good thing to know about, about your own story, about your own God's work in your own life. Yeah. Is that you may have that that place of revelation where you feel like, oh my goodness. And, and the scripture, you know, is like popping out at you mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but you have to create that foundation so that when the storms of life come, you're going to be Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what happened at Wagner Hills. So the foundation was actually my new identity because who I, who I was in Christ. And uh, we learned that um, over the whole year. But the thing that will never go away is is the temptations of things. Uh, you know, it says that it's common to all men and, and women. Um, all temptations are common to everybody. So um, when I'm going through uh, these, uh, you know, addiction or, or lust thoughts, it, it's I have to realize that I'm not the only one. <laughs> Which is really important yeah. as well. Yeah. For other people to know that, that other people go through the same thing as, yeah. as I do as well. Uh, a question for you. All of us have testimonies, like we've already said. How do you personally sort of use that in your everyday life? Because you're you're a busy guy. I mean, yeah. you, you work full time. You got a wife. You got four kids. Or, or, yeah. or pretty much four kids coming on the way. And it's just how do you how do you use that? <laughs> like how, how and have you seen God use that as well? Well, what I've been learning o- over the years is that is that uh, whether you're in full time ministry or not, you're in full time ministry <laughs> if you're doing it right. Um, so through my life, um, every week right now, I, I serve at Wagner Hill. So that's a way of using the testimony to encourage others that are, are going through the exact same thing. As far as uh, on a daily basis, yeah, I, I, I do. I would say that I had a conversation with God a little while back. And uh, basically, I, I said to him, God, I just just give me give me the opportunity to share about you. And if you give them to me, I'll share. So it doesn't matter if I'm in a business meeting. It doesn't matter... It doesn't. It doesn't really matter where I am. If I'm prompted, I, I do get into it and do share. And uh, that may be the only time you have in front in front of somebody. And and business is second place. I think that, that's good. And I, I just think what, that prayer that you say, like God, give me people, or like, you know, give me the opportunity to share this. I, I think a lot of people don't pray that, you know, and then they they think to themselves, man, I don't. I'm not very good at evangelism. I don't mm-hmm. really do much. But I think if we actually pray that, that uh, God will will fulfill that because he wants to catch men through through us, right? Yeah. So we have to be vessels for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, even doing things like this, uh, when people ask, uh, never say no. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, we just make a plan of when it can happen, then, then we're good. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Because <laughs> there, are, there are things you have to kind of consider, well, of you know, for the family and everything and, and work, which is really important. But, um, yeah, whenever there's an opportunity, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to share of his goodness. Uh and in terms of just working it out, it talks about working out our salvation. Well, you know, you got to work out your testimony too, because yeah. if, if your testimony is over, that means you're not here anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's that's right, right? Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so much, Cal. That was awesome. Well, yeah. thank you very much for having me. I, I love this. Great. That was a conversation with Cal Sidhu. Again, it's so incredible to hear stories of God's power and restoration in lives of just ordinary people. 
Hey, we want to hear your testimony too. Head to our podcast episode page and comment. Tell us your story. You can also reach us on Facebook and Twitter. We're going to be reading through them and kind of sharing some that we find powerful. Uh, We obviously won't use names, but I encourage you to do tell us your testimony. Well, that wraps up the InDoubt podcast show. To find out more about InDoubt and to listen to more podcasts, visit InDoubt.ca. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We want to hear from you too. So if you have any stories, comments, or whatever you want to share with us, let us know. That being said, I'm Isaac, and this is the InDoubt podcast. <laughs>